Hey, good morning, everybody. You doing all right today? Hey, let's, uh, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I almost heard what you said. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to pick it up where we left off. <clears throat> Excuse me. We talked uh, last time about the last days. The last days are now in this section here. A lot of the things that he's talking about specifically have to deal with the last days. And, uh, you know, that, that really this attitude of heart that we're looking and watching and waiting for his return. Because of that, it affects how we live. It affects our whole attitude. It affects how, how tied in we are with the stuff of this world. If we're completely consumed by the things of this world, we're probably not looking for Jesus to return. But the signs of the times, he spelled them out there in chapter 3, the first uh, verses there. Terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful. And the, the list just goes on and on. And it's, a, it's kind of depressing, really. It's not a nice picture. He talks about having this form of godliness in verse 5, but denying its power. There's things that look spiritual. There's things that look like a, a Christian outside, but there's nothing inside. And Jesus talked to the Pharisees and said, you know, outside you look real good. You got all the great stuff going on outside, but inside you're full of what? Dead man's bones. That doesn't sound real good either. So... Paul is saying here in 2 Timothy to, you know, watch out for the counterfeits, watch out for the imitations and the postures. And also, we need to always make this application to ourselves that I'm not a counterfeit, that I'm not an imposter, that there is reality, that it's just not a form, an outward form of godliness in my life, but some, re, some power, this power of God in my life to change me, working in me. So, you know, and we're all, we're all kind of susceptible to that. You know, don't think you're not. Uh, we all are susceptible to that where we can put on the nice Christian mask and face, especially on Sunday. You guys all look so Christian to me right now. <laughs> you can put on this Christian face and mask, but what's going on inside is not that you're perfect, and we're, we're going to see that when we're talking about Paul's example, but is there something going on spiritually with the Spirit of God? That's when he says the power of God, denying its power. So watch out for these counterfeits and, and make sure that we're not one, and, and especially counterfeit leaders. And we talked about that quite a bit last time, who really their motivation is money, right? What else? Power, and what else? Lust or uh, for men, you know, uh, seeking after women, this, it's sin, the, the sinful nature. It says that they oppose the truth, and we saw these uh, examples here. But how do we protect ourselves? Really, we need to know Jesus. We need to truly know Jesus as our Savior and follow Him. That's the number one thing. You really need to have Jesus in your heart and life. And number two, know the Bible, know the truth. You've got to know the truth. Be so familiar with the truth what that when a counterfeit pops up, you're going to say, that's, like, that's not right. That's, something's off there. That's weird. The red light's going off in your head. And number three, to be discerning. Not, don't, don't be gullible. Now today I want to talk about a contrast. And the definition of contrast is this, is to show 
A comparison to show unlikeness or differences. To note the opposite natures, purposes, etc. To show unlikeness, to show the differences. And Paul's going to be talking about his example. He's going to be talking about his life. We're going to talk about that in a minute. First, I want to tell you about my MRI. I went on Friday for an MRI, right? And, uh, you know, that's kind of a scary thing. Have any of you ever had those? Like, you, you get sucked into this tube. You know, and I had one years and years ago, but I forgot how bad it was. But, you know, I already kind of knew I was going to freak out. So they put me in the tube. They put the earplugs in and the headphones on and everything. They suck you into this tube. And immediately I said, get me out. Take me out. So they took me back out, and I was like sweating. I said, can you turn the fan on? It's on full blast, they said. I said, okay, but I took a few deep breaths, and they sucked me back into the tube, and I made it through the test. Thank God for that. She said, she said we got options. I said, I don't know what the options are, but in my mind, they're not good. <laughs> like to come back and do it again? No, I don't think so. I don't know, maybe they were going to give me some kind of yeah, put me out or something. But I had to drive home. So anyways, uh, that, that's for my ear, this ear problem I've been having, which I'm still having, just so those of you aren't aware of, of, of having some very weird ear issue. So I'm, I'm, the doctor ordered this MRI, right? And uh, I haven't got the results yet, although the, the, the technician said, you know, there's a lot of air in there. <laughs> and so... I'm not sure what he meant by that. <laughs> so maybe I'll figure it out. But they put you in, right, and they do the whole test, and then they bring you out and go, all right, it's over, right? I said, okay, now we're going to give you the contrast medicine, right? I said, oh, that means I'm only half done. <laughs> I've got to go back in the thing again. So, but then they, they you know, they, they give me the, uh, see if I can get the vein up here. They give me the contrast medicine, right? And why do they give that to you? See, there's a point in all this MRI business, right? So you can have a comparison without and with, and it also, it, it improves the images, right? It, it makes things stand out. It makes things clearer, right? So when we're looking at this passage today, this is what Paul is saying. There's a, there's a huge contrast between the counterfeits and Paul's example, right? That's the, the point that, that stands out to me. Paul says, wait a minute. Now he talks about these guys that, you know, they wormed their way into people's homes. They took advantage of people. And Paul is now injecting his example, his contrast, to make the truth clearer. How different that he was from these false teachers, these counterfeits. How opposite he was, like we saw in our definition. So let's look at verses 10 and 11. Let's read those. He says, you, however... After talking about these counterfeits and giving the example of Janus and Jambres, he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, and the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we do pray that you would show us the contrast, and and even the contrast uh, that you want in our lives from the world around us, that there's a contrast, a difference, an unlikeness because of the Spirit of God working within us. Father, help us, show us, teach us today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. So Paul gives us this contrast, this example, and whose example is he telling them about? Himself, right? His own. And so you could say, well, you know, that's kind of weird. He's drawing attention to himself, right? But you see, Paul, Paul was, he was not ignorant of the fact that he was an example, and, and I don't think we should be ignorant of the fact that we are all examples, good or bad. We are examples, every single one of us, good or bad. Now, I don't think Paul was trying to lift himself up. I think Paul just had this heart to teach and to use illustrations, and he wasn't afraid to use himself as an illustration. That's interesting, isn't it? He wasn't afraid to use himself. Now, that kind of puts, that puts a lot of responsibility right. Making yourself an, an example, making yourself an illustration, there's a lot of responsibility. But, but as Paul was a teacher and a leader in the church, that's really what it is, isn't it? There's, there's something to that. We're going to talk more about that. But a couple other passages that Paul used, I'll put them up on the screen for you. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, follow my example. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul wasn't afraid to say, follow my example. Again, can you and I say that? To somebody, follow my example. Not just my example, though Paul makes it clear that his example was an example of what? Following Christ, the Lord. So follow my example. As I, as I seek and do my best to follow the example of Christ, he recognized the need to have examples. And, and we call them what in, in this uh, day and age? Role models, Exactly. But the ultimate example, the ultimate role model is who? Is Jesus. Again, another passage in Philippians, Paul says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Take note. Keep an eye out. Look and see who's really following Jesus. Who's really an example that you and I can follow and learn from? I think I can't... You know, in my mind, when I begin to think about who are people that I looked up to and, and, and do look up to, Bill Kinnaman was a man that I was an example of following Jesus. And I, and I looked up to him. He was a role model. He was an encouragement for me. He says, join with others in following my example. Again, he said, he said there, you know all about. And then he gives a list of nine things. You know about all these things, and in his life was like an open book, right? You've seen. You know me, Timothy. Someone said Paul had nothing to hide. If we have things to hide, we're what? We're in trouble, right? So this idea of being an example, good, good examples and good leaders are very, very important. They're not always easy to find, but again, we're, we're always giving an example. We're always showing some kind of pattern, but is it good or is it bad? Are, are we trying to hide things? You know, 
Paul said, listen, he laid it all out. This is, this is it. Let me ask you this. Was Paul perfect? No. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. He, he knew his own heart. And, and even in Romans chapter 7, he, he talked about it. He said, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. So he, he talks about this struggle, but, but there's something about Paul, something about this that when he brings this kind of thing up, you know, there is a, a reality, there is a humility about him for him to say this. And honesty, I think that's an important factor in being a good example and a good leader. And honest, be honest, you know. It's the, I think what is hard is when, when someone would, would, uh, would be a leader or, or some type of an example, and yet they're pretending to you that they are perfect, right? They're pretending to you that they have got it all together, right? Now, I have it all together. Just seeing if you're listening. Mm, mm. No, I don't have it all together, and, 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 and the fact is that none of us do. And so if somebody puts on this, this image of being like perfection, they're hiding something, right? Be careful. Watch out. That's what a counterfeit would do. And again, we're showing the contrast between the counterfeits and the, and, and the example of Paul, and we can see from other scriptures, Paul was very honest about the stuff that you know, was going on in his life, the trials and the troubles, and he mentions some of them here. We're going to talk about persecution next time. But what did Paul tell T uh, Timothy? He said, set an example for the believers. Set an example. You know, there's something about this. You know, it's not just, well, I just am who I am. That's true. But there's also something about intentionally examining our lives and that intentionally, I'm going to set an example. I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing because people are watching. And do you know people are watching you? People are watching how you, how you live. And the things that Paul mentions here, we'll talk about those in a second. I, I, I've got a few quotes for you about our examples. Again, whether we like it or not, whether we're good or bad examples, we are examples. He said, uh, someone said this, people take your example far more seriously than your advice. Is that true? Because you could say all kinds of stuff. I'm going to give you all this advice, but I would never do it. How about this one? This, is, this will encourage you. Don't feel useless. You can always be used as a bad example. <laughs> How about this? Children are creatures who disgrace you by showing in public the example you set for them at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because they're watching you, right? They see everything you do. They, they see how you act and, and all that stuff. And then, and then, you know, you're out somewhere and they say, oh, yeah, Dad just said, you know, Dad just, ooh, <laughs> scary. Set an example, Paul told Timothy, for the believers. Set an example, an example of, of what a believer, how a believer should be. 
And believe me, a believer should be a contrast to, to those in the world. That's the point I'm trying to make here today. Paul's example. And the writer to Hebrews says in chapter 13, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of what? Their way of life and imitate their faith. Not just them speaking the word of God, but look at their way of life. Consider the outcome of their way of life. See what their lives look like and imitate their faith. Peter told the elders in 1 Peter chapter 5 to be examples to the flock. Examples to the flock. So, Paul's example, we're going to look at each one of these, but the first one he mentions there in, in uh, the verse, he gives us nine points of contrast, really. And, and again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on each of these, but, but the first one he talks about is my teaching. My teaching, he says. And he's contrasting himself to these charlatans, these counterfeits, these false teachers and the, the doctrines they have. So he says, he says, my doctrine, my teaching needs to be solid. Later on in, in, in this book, he's going to talk about preach the word, right? But he said to, he said to uh, Titus, in everything set an example by doing what is good. Again, he told Titus as well to be an example by doing. But he also says, in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. There's, there's something so, so important, and Paul starts with this idea of teaching because it is radically important. It needs to be biblical. It needs to be solid. That's the first thing. These counterfeits that came along, they, it said uh, in, in uh, the last few verses, it says they opposed the truth. And what happens is they, they actually make up truth. They make up things that, that kind of go along with what they're trying to achieve, which is what? Lies, Lies yeah, and, they, and the things they want to get. They're selfish uh, desires and plans, you see. So, so the, first, the first thing that you need to be very careful is, are they teaching from the Bible? Is it from the Scripture? And, and again, we've been talking about that. How do you know a, a counterfeit? You need to know what the Scripture has to say. And Paul said, listen, you know all about the fact of my teaching. It's coming from the Scriptures. And of course, Paul is speaking about the Old Testament Scriptures and then, and then the, the Scriptures that then was God was giving to us and the New Testament Scriptures. We have both now. You need to know, is it, is it biblical? Is it consistent with the Word of God? We're going to talk at the end of this chapter about the, the inspiration of God's Word. That Paul says it's God-breathed. It comes from God. We're going to talk about that. What does that mean and, and how do we look at that? And, and we'll, we'll get to that in a few weeks. So, so important. Every single one of those. We talked last week uh, about some of the areas where they oppose the truth. They oppose the truth of the Scripture. They oppose the truth of who Jesus is. They oppose the truth of how you and I enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said it's by being what? Born again. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So, so these men, these people, these false teachers, these counterfeits, they come up with all kinds of weird stuff. 
They oppose the truth. Let's stick to the scripture, right? Sad to say, uh, so many, so many of the new quote-unquote churches, they, you know, the Bible has got very little to do with it. And they, you know, would say, well, we're not going to talk about that part, and we're not going to talk about that part, and, and uh, we're just going to talk about stuff that's, that will make you happy and healthy and wealthy. See? We're going to go down this path, and, and anything to make you get stuff, anything to make you get all, you know, and the reality that, you know, just missing the whole reality is that, that we need to come to the cross. We're going to have communion in a few minutes. We need to come to the cross and be forgiven and, 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 and glorify Jesus because of what he did for us, not for what he wants to give me. Not, I'm not going to the, uh, to the cross for what I can get. I want to give to him my worship, my love, my adoration, you see. So that's number one. I've made a big point of that because I think it's, it's one of the things that is so important and, for, for, and, I, and that's why I feel so comfortable with the Calvary Chapel model because we teach the Bible, right? We teach the Bible. The second thing, though, he says is my way of life, and there was a huge contrast, right? But I think that, that is one of the things that is so important, and again, for, to be a good example, to be a good leader, is that your way of life is important, too. Not just what you teach, not just what you say, but his way of life was consistent with what he taught. His way of life was consistent with what he taught, you see. He practiced what he preached. If, 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 and, and again, we're, none of us are perfect in this, but you know what? There needs to be some consistency between what we say and how we live and what we do. Whether we're a student in school, a, a pastor of a church, or somebody working out in a job, or, or you know, wherever we are, is it, is it consistent with what we say? We've got a little bumper sticker on the back of our car, and we're like doing 95 down... Uh, Route 95, because we thought it said 95, so I think I can do 95, and we're weaving in and out of traffic like that, right? Is that how it works? Well, I just have the little fish symbol. It doesn't really say Jesus on there, so unless they're like into it, it's a code. You know, but, but, but then what kind of example are you setting for the Christians who know what the code is, right? We're all going to be an example, not just what we say, but how we live, my way of life. These others that he's contrasting himself to, they lived however they wanted. They lived immorally. We, we read about it here. They, they wormed their way and they gained control over weak-willed women. They got what they wanted. They, were, they, were, you know, they had some teaching things happening, but they were like way out there in terms of the way they lived got to be some some connection here how about my purpose he says the third one there and Paul's purpose really was to follow he said follow me as I follow Christ we already saw that his his whole purpose was to follow and serve Jesus was that their purpose no I don't think so they were, they were in it for themselves, right? They were, they were, they were in it to, to get what they could for themselves. 
What kind of purpose do you and I have? And again, every one of these should apply to our own lives. The, the Word of God, as he says in the last verse, it's for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. You and I, every, every one of these things that Paul talked about, we can apply it to ourselves. Is the Bible something real in my life? Am I opening the Bible? Am I reading the Scripture on a daily, regular basis? Am I committed to the Word? The next one, is my life a reflection of that, of my faith and my walk? What about my purpose? What's my purpose? Paul said this in Acts 20. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Nothing else is important, he says, except that I could finish the race and do what God's asked me to do. Now, has God called every one of us to be apostles? No. Has he called us all to be ambassadors? I think so. Has he called us all to be witnesses for, for the, the sake of the truth? I think so. What's our purpose in life? You know, that's, I think, where we get so mixed up sometimes. We get, we get sidetracked on, well, my purpose is to, you know, just get this really good job and make a really lot of money and get a really nice house and a really nice boat. I saw one at a yard sale yesterday. It was awesome. But he wanted 40 grand, and I said, well, I'll be back someday. I'm going to go mortgage, you know, everything I got and, and uh, come and get that boat. And, and nothing against boats. I, I wanted that boat, actually. <laughs> but it's not the purpose of life. It really isn't the purpose of life. The purpose in life and the purpose of life is to worship God and to serve Him. That's the purpose of life. He says, you know what, look at my, you've seen my life. You've seen the way I live. You've seen what I teach. You've seen the purpose in my life. You see it, it comes out. Even if you don't say anything about it, it's coming out. What are you living for? People can see. They can see how I live. What am I living for? The purpose of these counterfeits, again, was to take advantage of others to take care of themselves. How about the next one, faith? He says, you've seen my faith. It was a real faith that he just trusted. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says what? Val? Thank you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, that's what faith is, trusting in him. The reason I asked her because that's her life verse, right? And I know that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what faith is. Paul said, you can see that I trust, and, and, and that's, that's what it is. And again, he wasn't like some of these quote-unquote faith teachers. Very different. There's a big contrast between those that have you know, that are in the faith teaching. Well, if you just have more faith, you will be able to get that. Lamborghini, right? If you just have more faith, you will never be sick. Of course not. You can't get sick because you have so much faith. So then you begin to have faith in what? In your faith. Now, where's that going? Where does that lead? No, faith, he says, 
You've seen my faith. And, and for Paul, you know, the faith is even when God said to him, no, right? You know that scripture in 2 Corinthians 12? Paul said, you know, I got this problem. And it might have been an eye problem. It might have been an ear problem for all I know. He had this problem and he, he went to the Lord and he said, Lord, will you take this away from me? What did God say? He said, no. And the faith teachers say, well, uh, the way we get around that is, and then they have some weird explanation. God said no. He just said flat out no. He said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough for you to trust him, to have faith. And Paul accepted it. He trusted God no matter what, whether it got difficult or not. The next thing he says there is patience, and patience is certainly a fruit of the, the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I start going down this list, it's, I start feeling smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Patience? How much patience do you have? How much patience do you have with me right now? He said none. He changed it to a little bit. Patience. How much patience? Paul said, you know my patience. Do you really, can, can people look at us and see there's some patience happening there? And I, and I know in my own life it's not coming out of me. It's got to be a fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. Again, not denying the power of God in my life, but the power of God working in me to make me more patient. And you don't want to ask for patience, right? God, give me more patience. And what does he do? He gives you more trials. So you can learn patience, but it's something that, that he is working in our lives. The others, the contrast, they denied the power of God in their lives. The next one, this agape love, another fruit of God's uh, spirit. Loving others unselfishly. Oh, man, help. Help us, right? To love others unselfishly. Now, is that where they were at? Look back at verse 2. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Later on, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, not lovers of the good. Big contrast here. No real agape love in their lives. You know, you hear this over and over when you go to a church. Uh, what did you like about the church? And you know what, what really stands out is that I really I felt love there. That's what makes the huge difference. I felt love there. Do they feel that agape love coming out of us? Where we work? Paul, he says, my love. He, his next one there is, to, is endurance. Again, this perseverance. This, the word means to bear up under. The others, they just wanted the easy life. They wanted the pleasure. They wanted the things that would please themselves. Paul didn't end there, though, and, and I, I reckon to say that the uh, faith teachers would uh, erase number eight and nine and not uh, go there because he talks about persecutions. Why were they persecuted? Why was Paul persecuted? Because of his faith in Jesus, right? Well, they didn't really have any faith, as we, we saw last week. They didn't have it. They, were, they rejected. As far as the faith is concerned, they were rejected because they had no faith in Jesus. They had faith in themselves. 
Persecutions for faith in Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week because it's a big thing, and I think it's, it's getting bigger in our, in our society, in our world, that persecution, though, though persecution has never stopped in the world, and in different parts of the world, uh, they say in, 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 uh, in this last century, there's been more persecution of Christians than all the previous centuries combined. People murdered and killed for their faith in Jesus. But we're going to talk about that in, in our lives. Is it coming? The next one is uh, sufferings. Sufferings, the reality of it, right? Sufferings. Suffering isn't what these others had signed up for. I mean, none of us really sign up for suffering, right? Did you sign up for suffering? But it's a part of life. It's a part of the reality of life. And do we still hold on to our faith in the middle of suffering? Paul went through plenty, plenty of sufferings. There are lists when he shows the things that he had to go through. You see the contrast? Paul's example, he was an example of a servant. He was an example of a, a leader. Again, this is a challenging list, you know, for every one of us to look at as we say, we, as we think about and as we go through these things. How does that apply to me? But ultimately, ultimately, I think it's this, isn't it? Jesus. Paul already talked about it, but you, you know the story uh, of John chapter 13. Uh, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, right? You know that, you know, whether you've read it recently or not, you've heard about it, you know about it. And Jesus, he, he got the towel and he, you know, he went to wash the, the feet of the disciples because, you know, wearing sandals, dusty, you know, your feet would get dirty, and so when you would come into a house, they would have a servant, the lowest servant, right, would wash the feet of, of the guests, right? That's, that's the way it worked. But Jesus puts on the towel himself, gets the water, and he goes around to wash the feet of the disciples, calling himself, showing himself to be an example of a servant, right? Well, you know the story. Peter says what? Not me. Now, I think, I just want to set your mind at ease here. We're not going to bring the buckets in right now, okay? How many of you have been to churches where they bring the buckets in and they start to do it? And, and, and I'm not saying that that's wrong or bad for them to do that. But we're not going to do that. But if I did, you'd probably go, no, not me. I just took a shower this morning. My feet are fine, you know? But that really wasn't the point of it. The point of what Jesus did was to be an example of a servant, to serve, you see. And so that's why we read these verses. He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. There's a promise here, right? He says, you're going to be blessed if you do them. If you do what? If you follow my example, if you become a servant. I think it's the same thing with what we've been reading here with Paul. That if we, if we follow his example, he says, I've given my example, follow my example. If we do that, we're going to be blessed. 
we're going to receive the blessings that God wants to give into our lives. And I'm not talking about some weird give so that you can get kind of mentality. I'm just saying that, that as, we, as we serve and as we give our lives and our purpose to, to serve and to follow God, that, that God just blesses us and, and, it, and it begins within. Right? Hello? I have set you an example. And you will be blessed if you do these things. Contrast, right? We're going to have communion now. But first, we're going to pray. We're going to have the worship team come up while we pass out the, the cup and the bread. But, but let's just pray and ask God in our own lives, what kind of contrast is there in my life? Is there any contrast? If they put you in a lineup, right? God forbid some of you have been in lineups. If they put you in a lineup, is there going to be, you know, like anything different there when they see, oh, look, look. Or is it all the same? Paul said, you know all about, and he lists the, all those things. You know all about, you however know, you've seen my life. You know what? I think, I think we just need to, to, to follow the example of Jesus and follow the example of Paul and these godly leaders and, 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 and serve and follow Jesus. Be a servant. The reality, the humility that was there, the honesty. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord. We are not perfect. We are, uh, we are really, we're sinners. We're we're imperfect beings. But Lord, the cry of our heart is to follow you, to serve you. The cry of our heart is to stay close to the cross as we, as we blow it, as, as we come and we're renewed and restored, forgiven, cleansed. We confess our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we come even now as we prepare to have communion and we, we, we think of the supreme, the ultimate example of, of Jesus, that you, you were a servant. You showed us how to live. You showed us that you gave your life for others. You calling us to pick up our cross to deny ourselves and follow you. That's what you said, isn't it, Jesus? Help us, Lord, we pray. We need your help. We can't do it. We just can't do it on our own. We just can't do it. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, I pray as we, as we have this communion again, we, we just come to the cross. We thank you and we worship you and we adore you and, and we thank you for the grace that's given to us, not because of what we did, but because of what you did. I pray here now as well for any that, that have never surrendered to the cross, never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior. If, if that's you this morning, you can simply open your heart and, and partake of communion with us and, and you can simply ask Jesus in and say, Lord, come into my life. I'm, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I've got no hope. 
I've tried. My purpose has been to live for me, and, and it's just empty, empty, empty. Come into my life and give me something that's truly worth living for, for you, for heaven. Help us today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.